Welcome to Africa on Focus, where we share our success stories. Africa, the continent, the young diaspora, entrepreneurs, influencers, change makers, and so much more. I'm Miss Abba, and this is Africa on Focus, the podcast. The most being busy and creating beautiful content, especially as it relates to uh, Africans. And I'm super excited to have you on the on the show. She's also, I haven't heard that function before, a channel hat, not just a filmmaker, but channel hat. I'll, I'm going to ask her what that specifically <laughs> means. I have purposely not Googled it so that I would just be, uh, you know, refreshed and get a clear, good uh, uh, explanation on what that is. Um, so uh, here at the show that we have Caroline Kemia. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank <laughs> you for having me. I love your scarf. Oh, it's, it's this, you know, it's this edgy scarf, but then it also has the print <laughs> and the hair. Have the African flavor in there. I know, right? You know? I absolutely agree. How was your Sunday? Really good, really good. I was just preparing myself for today, and yeah, just uh, reviewing the last year, and you know how it goes, January, and really, yeah, new decade, everything. So. I, I was talking to that uh, about that with Donnie. I was like, I asked him, "Do you list goals?" And he was like, "Well, not really, you know." Uh, how, how did you? How I think do you it's just a natural review. Mm-hmm. I feel, at least for me, anyway. Like suddenly, like, oh, last year, how did it go? Mm-hmm. How did I feel about? Did I achieve my goals? Because I'm quite goal orientated. I think most Africans are. <laughs> so we kind of assess things. But I'm very right. optimistic also about this year. Like I just feel. That the fruits of like you, you you plant your seeds and you wait for the fruits to grow. So I feel like fruits yeah. are popping now. So it's good. Absolutely loving that. Yeah. And welcome back because I know you traveled to Kenya. Yeah, I was in Nairobi. Yeah, shooting films. Yeah, how was that? Wicked. Because I just finished cutting it actually, and the client is super happy. Mm. Oh, I'm great. just gonna compress what I did. I did a story around the Duka. Duka is like a corner store in Kenya, mm-hmm. and so they have the biggest like underprivileged area in there called Kibera. Mm-hmm. and most people depend on the store. So it was like a little story around the store. I was only supposed to record a meeting, and I made a short film out of it. Wow. <laughs> but it was great. It's an old client of mine, also from the African diaspora, so you just don't have to prove yourself. He knows my work. Mm-hmm. He knows my quality. He knows I want to get it done on time. So, yeah, we delivered a cute film. He was happy. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm even looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely be sharing it on uh, Instagram, definitely. So, so what's the duration of the short film in this game? That was 10 minutes, shot in two days, one day prep, uh, cut by a Dutch guy here, total multicultural project. Uh, yeah, I just love working like that, you know. Yeah. Kenyan uh, DOP was a little wild around the edges, but very talented, so... You know, and now you're back, back to Amsterdam. Yeah, back. This is my <laughs> home. And uh, yeah, by the way, I'm British Ugandan or Ugandan British. So, you right. know, dual heritage. Right. Uh, yes, yeah, so I identify with both uh, cultures. Socialized by the Brits, uh, born in, uh, <laughs> in uh, Uganda. That is beautifully <laughs> formulated, you know. <laughs> love it, love yeah. it. Um well, basically, that kind of answers my question, as in, like, where do you, where, how do you describe yourself as it as it relates to your culture? Well, I can say I'm a Pan-Africanist. Like, that's m- that's how <laughs> I feel, right? Yeah. Um, but I happen to have been born in Uganda, which means that my roots are really strong there for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I was um, educated in England from the age of twelve. 
Um, so, yeah, that is very much present in the mixed-up accent that I am left with. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it feeds, I suppose, my perspective and my, my interest. My interest in getting into the media is because of being in the UK, having friends from all around the world, because yeah. I was in boarding school, like many Africans. <laughs> many, and, uh, many. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's not that odd an experience. So you're in boarding school, and you have international friends, and you're trying to describe where you're from, and they yeah. will not trust your opinion, and they will not trust your photographs as evidence. Mm -hmm. It's like the media is so pervasive, I realized that's why I wanted to get in the media. I was like, I can't believe it's so powerful that even my friends won't believe my images. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, that's my house. You guys live in houses. Oh, dear, where do we start? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> because of media, they, they basically messed that up. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, right. Yeah, media is very powerful, so I wanted to be able to tell our stories. So that's why your earlier guest, it was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you um, you were able to discover that basically at a young age, and it led from yes. wait a minute, you've got the wrong image. I want to change that. Yeah, and I and I wanted to know how, why, who owns this information stream, you know? So yeah, that was the beginning. And I watched my first foreign film, and that's why I wanted to make movies because I hated Hollywood. Even as a teenager, I thought it was rubbish, sorry. Uh, but when I watched my first foreign film in a language I didn't understand, I was like, oh, characters, people. Like, mm -hmm. that's when I realized there's much more out there. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, going back to uh, you 12, uh, at the age of 12 in yeah. the UK, uh, could, you, could you tell us a bit about, more about how that experience was growing up? Cultural differences yeah. as, we, as we always bump into them. Well, you know, it's also like the colonial story because mm -hmm. earlier than that I was in Kenya, but in an English school. So it wasn't odd to me. We were all speaking English. We all celebrated the same traditions as the English. Yes. So, in fact, we knew more about England than the English themselves when we arrived. Yeah. Um, but the irony is that they saw us as behind uh, in every way apart from sports. So we had to prove ourselves academically. Yeah. Um, but you're warned by your parents. You've got to do... 10 times as much, you got to, you know, all that. Yeah. So it wasn't a big surprise. And I think having that grounding in Africa was really useful for us because we knew we could do anything. And we'd seen people in all positions yeah. reflected with our complexion, reflected at, at, a, at a young age. So there wasn't that much of a loss of identity being in the UK. Yeah. That's good. So you were able to uh, to still identify with this is who I am. Yeah. And um, be able to maybe lift set some limits uh, for some people because sometimes um, uh, a lot of people that come here at the show would say that, you know, growing up they felt like they had to adjust too much. I don't feel like that was the case with you. It's almost like double consciousness. I think some mm. African Americans talk about that. Just understanding that you're navigating two worlds, you know, like at home, you've got your parents telling you, bring the remote control. You're like, dude, you can stand <laughs> up and do it yourself. But you understand that's the culture, <laughs> you know, that's how they do things. And then, you know, when you leave that space, you're in another world where there are different set of rules. So I think it's actually good for creatives, mm -hmm. ultimately, yeah. um, to have that experience because you're really aware that things can be done differently and how you can uh, adapt uh, but not lose your sense of self yeah mm. and um, so fa fast pace forward uh, 12 you are at that place to make a decision as to what study or which direction uh, you're going at um, how was that how did your parents also react to the fact that you chose film 
Yeah, well, once again, the whole African thing, right? Mm. So you have doctor, lawyer, what is it? Doctor, lawyer, <laughs> engineer, engineer, architect. <laughs> I think that's about it. That is. So my dad's an architect, my mom's a doctor. So basically, they were deciding oh, wow. what we were all going to study at university. <laughs> and they were paying. So it was like, oh, yeah. you're gonna, you, you did the doctor. You, you're going to be the lawyer. So I was designated architect. And so I said, no, I don't want to do architecture because my dad's an architect. That means I have to work for him. I thought, I really don't want to do that. Love the guy, but it wasn't in my plan. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> so I decided to do urban design. Yeah. And uh, that included architecture as well. Mm-hmm. But after a lecture on brick, I said, no, not more. A lecture and I on brick. So that a lecture on brick was like the, the icing on the on cake. The like, I cannot do this. <laughs> I'm not inspired. And uh, <laughs> I, I know that. The whole time I was at the TV wow. society. Actually, the guy who is the director of um, the Batman franchise w- studied at the same university as me. <laughs> and he was, like, really nerdy and really into film. And I would see him creeping in and out. Mm. He'd already finished years ago, but was using the gear. And, uh, but I was the TV part, so I became head of TV, and I was like, this is what I want to do. So I started helping out on set, basically making tea and coffee for directors, buying their cigarettes, whatever they needed. Mm-hmm. Even with my degrees, you know, Africans, we're very proud. Know, you can right? make me do tea and coffee. I've got two degrees. But, but you uh, did that even after you yeah, had... Yeah, you start oh, from wow. the beginning. Film is, it's an apprentice, you know, it's an apprenticeship, and... I'm very happy that I went through that. It doesn't mean I'd put everybody who works with me through that, but it gave me good grounding. Right. Uh, a whole understanding of each role, how important your role is as an assistant, mm-hmm. and just work my way up. And how did you find them? Because is it like, are, were you brave enough to just go and find these uh, filmmakers, or is there like some type of bureau? You uh, can no, sign up the, with? I knew there's the film school, National Film School, and, and I, while I was studying, I would just uh, contact them. I said, Can I help in any way? He said, Yeah, we have sh- summertime, we have shoots. So my first job, I got fired. I didn't even know I'd been fired. So funny. <laughs> wow. But that's the British people for you. Very subtle. Okay. Not in a Dutch way where they'd be like, that's it. We've decided not said, Kind of like that. I did one day. I didn't know what I was doing. I literally, nobody told me what to do. So I must have come off lazy. And uh, the next day, I was getting ready to travel over there. And they said, ah, oh, Carol, there's no need for you to come in today. And I was like, I know you need me. I know you need people. <laughs> what does this mean? And then a friend later told me, you've just been fired, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't accept it. You were like, no, this is, this is no, not No, it just possible. didn't make sense to me. I, I just like straightforward people, you know. And just say, look, you didn't do your job, and I can explain. Nobody explained anything. Yeah. But they don't have time for that. Got it. So um, just to remind me, so you are you graduated in? Uh, well, actually, I did urban design. I finished that, and then um, I told my parents I wanted to do film. Like, okay, cool, you've done what we wanted. Yeah, yeah. The backup plans, so and I'll do what you desire. The and backup plans. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you fail at this filmmaking business, at least you can be an urban designer. So yeah, yeah <laughs> I went and did a master's in TV documentary uh, straight away because I'd already done a lot of practical work and and yes i started working straight away after Mm. after that even when i studied my master i was working for channel 4 bbc on productions mainly black productions Mm -hmm. yeah so how does this look like because i know that uh people listening to you uh graduated you're probably in that period where you're like okay now's my time to make money did you do this based on on internship basis does anybody that wants to follow your footstep need to realize like hey within the first so-and-so period yeah. No money to be made. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to love it so much you do it for nothing. I think that's the best creatives. Mm-hmm. 
is that you started off doing it because you loved it so much. Now, not everybody's mm. that situation, but you can do a job and you can do that in the evening or on the yeah. weekends, you know, mm -hmm. and build up a portfolio. And then right. you have something when you go to a company and say, look, I've made two short films by myself or with my friends. And, you know, I've got a following on Instagram, which is this generation. I've got the Instagram page that they can use to promote themselves. Then you have something. Uh, just help out. You've just got to start helping out where you can. Any shoot that's going on, contact them and just volunteer. Yeah. Uh, the industry is a little bit exploitative in that way. Mm -hmm. um, it's really down to individual um, producers not to take advantage of that. Mm. Um, but for a limited period, I think it's, it's a good way to get some, some experience. So basically what you're saying is anybody uh, that wants to pursue that road you're on, make sure that you build a portfolio yeah. and make sure that you don't look out to be paid or anything. Yeah, exactly. It's really about building yeah. and uh, being able to show what you've been building Absolutely. and making all these years. And for how long? Is this period? Six months. Six months. Yeah, up to six months. Years. Some people can put in years, you know, it depends how passionate you are uh, about it or maybe your limits. Um, but yeah. but I do believe you should persevere if you're really passionate about something and you, you win through. I really believe that genuinely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, channel head. What <laughs> <laughs> Sounds what awkward, that? right? It does. <laughs> like headhunter. Channel right. head is just head of channel, like um, Netflix, uh, you know, or HBO, if they've got a strand, and you're the head of it. So you work oh, with right. a creative team, you have a team of producers, you have the, the general idea for the channel in terms yeah. of the content, and yeah, you, you just make sure it, it works. Yeah. Yeah. So within your pursuit uh, for going for film, uh, has acting ever been something you've been interested in <laughs> why not acting okay. well you know it's interesting when i was a kid i did do a lot of acting but a lot of people say that like, oh yeah i was in plays at six and whatever but um when i came to the netherlands i came for a film lab i was selected as uh, one of the international filmmakers they invited eight and we spent two and a half months in amsterdam developing our second features because i've already made one and uh, what was your point? I got to link it back, but I was giving you context. <laughs> what, what did you? Do? Uh, we started from Why Channel Head, and Why not acting? Yeah. Oh yeah. Acting. So <laughs> part of the training included um, acting because mm -hmm. they wanted us as directors to understand the process. And I was given a scene to study with another guy who was uh, another filmmaker, and uh, I studied it. It was a short scene. Came to perform it, mm -hmm. and it went really well. And I could feel like the audience, my own classmates, like moving forward. You know, when you mm. can feel like they're so into the scene. Yeah. And I could like, and I thought, oh, this is interesting. So the coach, what was her name? Judith Watson. She, she's an L.A. Um, mm -hmm. LA trainer. So she was dropping names like nobody's business, you know. Right. Um, and she said to me, Caroline, if you were not a director, you could have been a great actress. <laughs> so there might have been something in it. That's what she like, said. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a performing. But to be honest, I don't like being in front of camera. Like even this, I enjoy speaking about it because it's radio. But if I had to constantly be in front of camera... I yeah. wouldn't be comfortable. I'm just too curious. I want to know about you. Like, I want to interview you. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm much more curious than I, yeah. So I, I rather work with actors and help them to, to take um, something off the page and bring it to life. Yeah. I love that. That was, because um, if, I, if I can just, because I'm here with you talking, you kind of knew very quick what you wanted, yes. basically. And also, like, okay, the acting thing, okay, this is not going to work for me. Or this is, 
um, and to to actually jump from um, was it urban urban yeah. urban designer yeah. to filmmaking, trying acting, and being at the stage where you are. Um, how, how do you discover that? How do you go from okay, this is not what I want, this is not. It, it's very difficult yeah, for a lot of things you look out for. Yeah, I, I never thought about it as this is not what I want. Actually, the only the only rejection of anything was the the architecture, urban design aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. Making that decision when I was about nineteen twenty was big. Um, but I had this thirst, like I really wanted to make content. I mm -hmm. wanted to make, I, and I would, like my father would travel, come home with a camera, you know, every generation there's a new one, and yeah. I don't know why he bought them, because he would use it once. So I would sneak in the room and borrow it, mm -hmm. and never come back and make a lot of little films with my family, boring films, just like out the window on holiday, or <laughs> you know, random conversations and force them to watch it. But I started learning how to make stories, because like, mm -hmm. okay, it's more interesting if I ask questions. This was before I even started like secondary school. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm just very curious, and um, yeah, there's just something that, yeah, I just have to do it. I have to find out more. Got it. Uh, so and what brought you to Amsterdam? Yes, yeah, so I came for this film lab. It's called the Binger Film Lab, and they invite filmmakers every year. So what was that? that was uh, 2012. So I've been here eight, almost nine years. Or is it nine years? Hmm. Uh, but I'm yeah, blind. a long time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's why I came. They invited me and uh, then you for stayed. that, and then I just stayed. I took the risk. Uh, no <laughs> good reason apart from I think this place is awesome. <laughs> right. I think I could live here, and <laughs> being British, I had the option, so I decided uh. to give it a go. Yeah, love that. And um, so looking at you, and because uh, I know you are from um, a collective. <laughs> yes. uh, my Omeg, shout out to uh, Kimo. That's right. And uh, I know you. Kimo um, cares, amazing, amazing. Absolutely. Shadow Hughes. Yes. Could you could you tell us a bit about uh, your company? Okay, so being in the Netherlands, I was working in media, uh, both freelance and then also as channel head. Um, and I always wanted to make some content around the Netherlands because I live here. I mean, it's, for me, it's natural. Like you're an artist, yeah. you you paint what's around you. Um, but I never felt that I had the right to. The first two years, I was still getting to grips with the Schwartz Pete's issue and all these kind of things oh, yeah. that were coming mm -hmm. up. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know? But you don't. I don't feel you have, not the right, but I personally feel hold back on comments. Like, mm -hmm. really live a bit, you know, engage with people, experience things yourself. Yeah. So, um, Shattered Hughes is a culmination of my curiosity about the Netherlands and what connects us as um, Africans of diaspora. Because this whole Pan-African... Um, ideology that I, I truly believe in fits in really well with identifying with the continent but understanding we live in so many different yeah. parts of the world. Mm -hmm. So Shattered Hughes um, is 100 plus interviews with black Dutch individuals who are filmmakers, producers, writers, dancers, choreographers, anything, anything creative. creative back of camera as well, because I'm tending to get a lot of interviews front of camera, which is beautiful, yeah. but we also want the people behind the scenes to also come and be interviewed, journalists. So we've just started the, the project last year, and we're going to continue this year. Every month, like once a week, um, the studio will be open and come in, and we're building a platform online. So you can follow us on um, hashtag on Instagram, Shattered mm -hmm. Hughes Films. And um, our website is going to be launched next month. Okay. And we'll be having short films already on there. And we want people's support. One, 
because I believe everybody's a producer. I mean, we spend money on Netflix, we spend money on other platforms, and then we're not, we're not happy with the content. Mm -hmm. Well, like, there are people in the diaspora making content purely about you. Yeah. Uh, so using Patreon as a platform, we're inviting people to support it uh, as a good. subscription yeah. model. Um, later on in the year when we have our, our content um, to the stage where we're happy to share it more. Yeah. So at the moment we're just teasing people a little bit behind the scenes, the building of it. And I love being able to see the building of a project. I think it's a real privilege rather than just coming in yeah. at, at the launch. So we want uh, followers to say well, we saw it from the beginning and we are part of this and we are promoting this. Yeah. So I really appreciate you inviting me uh, for this interview, really. Absolutely, mm. of course. Um, so why is your focus or how come your focus is so much on the African diaspora uh, in <coughs> Amsterdam? Uh, how did that come about? Um, uh, well, as I was saying, it's been something I wanted to do from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, literally, when I, when I decided to stay, I knew I had to make stories here. But I never felt that I had the, the right to personally to do that without some kind of um, having lived here, really lived here. Mm -hmm. And I know I live also in a bit of a bubble. I live in the center. I live as an artist. So I know there's some things that I may not feel, but time and um, experience, you, you can't buy that, you know. You, right. you can't buy that. So I know there's weaknesses in, in some of my awareness, but that's why I ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then what I'm discovering is we have so much in common. Mm -hmm. Like literally when I was talking to, I think, Natasha Gibbs, she's a journalist, and then Joy Wilkins, she's a, an actress, and Jasmine Saunders, an actress, and then we had Andre Dongleman. So yeah. all these people have been in and many others. And this, it comes to very similar things that we have going on, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of how we feel about the world, um, where we fit in, some of the issues we have at work, being the minority all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, those, those challenges we all face. Uh, yeah. Family, having different culture to our culture, trying to blend two worlds, yeah. uh, the different generations. So it's been beautiful. And funnily enough, the last time I was filming, I had African-American recording myself, British, African, <laughs> asking questions and interviewing African, Dutch. I mean, it was amazing. And the thread just, it was almost like we're cousins hanging out. Literally, someone could have walked in and go, do you guys know each other? No. <laughs> Yeah. It's there's just some energy that is I don't know it's a familial thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a I, familial I would, I thing. I would definitely agree. I would I agree with that. Uh, I have that with whether that is African Americans yeah. or uh, anywhere from the diaspora or to, to yeah. speak of it as broad as we can. There is something that connects uh, us to each other yeah. rather than that there are any differences or. And it's not to assume we all think the same, but yeah. it's just a flavor. It's a yeah. vibe. It's an energy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love how you're, um, what you have done so far, because I know you presented it in combination with an OMAC event. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And everything yeah. with the pictures, you know, highlighting the people that you interviewed. Yeah. And yourself um, was included. I was included. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, beautifully uh, captured and really focusing on the person. That's you know, right. Their uh, characteristic, their emotion, yep. uh, the smile that comes on their face when they really talk uh, yeah. about why they do what they do, why they think uh, their position as Africans is important yeah. and things like that. So I really love how you how you capture that uh, throughout and how it's going to come back to even uh, even more things. Um, so looking from that, now you're in the city of Amsterdam. You are a traveler. I feel like you could yeah. adapt in any type of environment. What is next 
uh, for you, since we're at the beginning of okay. this year, we spoke about this anyway. <laughs> what is next for uh, for Caroline Kamia? Wow, like physically and literally, I will travel back to Kenya because the client was very happy and sent me okay. another project. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's super good. <laughs> so that's the end of the month. Um, I've got another project that I'd like to announce to you, mm-hmm. um, which is called um, Crossed Colors. And it's actually based on black Africans living in the Netherlands Mm -hmm. during like 1800s and 1700s because slavery was an interruption in the African story. It is not the beginning. Thanks. (laughs) And um, so I'm, that's why I was intrigued by your other guests. Uh, I'm very interested in filling in the gaps Mm -hmm. around African history. So Cross Colors covers um, actually Ghanaian characters. If there's a Ghanaian businessman who has money, contact me, <laughs> all right? Because I, I need some good support for this. Because uh, it, it's, a, it's a period drama, and those are super expensive. Mm-hmm. But yet, for anybody, black, white, Asian, Latina, to see Africans at that time living in tranquility with Europeans, with equality and respect, that is enlightening. That can change and transform somebody's mindset. A young girl or boy, whatever their complexion, to see that can no longer mm-hmm. put down another black person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like you're just like me. You also have kings and queens. You also have armies that win wars. You also you were here as well. You didn't arrive on a slave ship. That mentality, which it's true, it happened. They're enslaved people, not even slaves, enslaved people. Yeah who went through hell, and there are repercussions we still live with today, but there's also a big grand history that we have and contributed. The Moors ruled Europe for over 700 years. Mm-hmm. Why are we not talking about that? Yeah. Why are we not talking about the Ashanti Empire? Why are we not talking about the Kushite Empire? Why? Why? Questions, you see? That keeps me very, very uh, entertained. It keeps Why? you alive. <laughs> <laughs> keeps me making content. So this uh, cross-colored project is looking at three characters, two Ghanaian, mm-hmm. during 1800s and 1700s, who were in the Netherlands and were meeting their compatriots on an equi- equitable level. One of them actually was... Um, no, I don't want to give too much away. Some might nick my idea. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the Ghanaian, two strong Ghanaian characters who lived here and um, did amazing things in, in the Netherlands and back in Ghana. And I'm following their story. And I would love um, Andre Dolman, who has Ghanaian heritage, to be part of this project. So I've already been trying to discuss it with him, and he's all up for the idea. So oh, good. Yes, good. So and I have a producer on it. So I hope for that. You just need some funding, right? Just a bit of money. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the funding, very important. Mm-hmm. So how do you even collect these stories? Because these stories seem so far to, to, to reach. Um, as I say, it's, I just am a curious person. I really want to know more, especially I think it's one of the things that um, because of growing up in England and people underestimating the African, be it me or yeah. be it my family. Or even I remember immigration questions to my mom, and I'd be so embarrassed how they're so tough with her. And it's like she's just bringing her kids to school, you know? Right. Like those kind of things just make me question humanity and why, why are people racist? Yeah. So there's a, there's a woman, actually white, um, a white woman called Jane Elliott, who did an experiment in the 1950s, 60s, blue eyes, brown eyes experiment. Look at racism. 
And she's still an amazing um, activist, anti-racist activist. You guys should check her out. And she talks about the fact that if you're white and lived in the West all your life, you're more likely than not to be racist just because of the culture. It's not not something you want. And with my white friends now, we can talk about those things, which I really like. The honesty of like how you've been socialized and how you've been perceiving the world. Oh, yeah, I know her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, and then to break that down and recognize. And I think that's the stage we're at. Even in the Netherlands, people are talking openly and honestly more about race. Yeah and the imperfections of the Dutch culture. Yeah. And that's, I think that's healthy. Like, uh, otherwise, you're just gaslighting everybody, pretending like, that no, there's true. no racism. No, I really feel it. No, seriously, there's no racism. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why my subjects probably are around this around area. I, uh, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I think it kind of gives a, a good reflection as to, uh, even sometimes us Africans, the way we look at ourselves and how we undervalue uh, our history, and yes. you know some of our art, some of our culture, and 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 more of that. Um, so almost rounding up the uh, interview, you have a shout out for somebody who says uh, Uganda is his second home. Mensa Gary, who said oh, really? Uganda <laughs> is my second home. <laughs> nice. um, and also, what I uh, would like to know because pretty much, you know, it's very obvious. You you don't just create films just because of films or entertainment sake. You really much have a story. What what is some of the uh, what is some of the messages that you want to send out there uh, in the world and to Africans as well? Well, I think um, I was thinking about that on the metro, and I don't like to prepare. Like even when you said you get <laughs> questions, I was like, okay, I'm curious to know. So I'm just gonna speak from from my heart. Um, First, that we're all one family, like all human beings are connected. And I know it sounds hippie, but it it really is true. So whatever you focus on should be positive. Mm -hmm. Like our eyes just take in information, but our mind like assesses it and breaks it down. Mm -hmm. So you have to educate yourself. You have to, and that does not mean formal education only. You have to go out and find information to fill in the gaps of, of our, our educational system, especially as people of diaspora. Mm-hmm. So even finding out about African history from 1700, it would be amazing. It would be amazing and enlightening for you. So yes. first look within, work on yourself, build yourself up and your knowledge. Then you can deal with the world with balance, mm-hmm. without depression, without negativity, with balance. Mm. That yeah. sounds good. Without depression. A lot of us help and need that. <laughs> depression is just anger turned inwards. Mm. Okay. Well, I can see why you're a poet. <laughs> yeah, you I, know what? I, I really wanted to give you one of my poems today. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the eyes are useless when the mind is blind. This one is well, one I, piece. I think it's a good moment to, uh, to round <laughs> it up with a, po- a poem. Um, I, I would like to know. You <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to know also because those that are listening, uh, where can they find you online? Because I'm sure you have so much. We have so much to look up to as in terms of what you're bringing out. Where can they follow you? Where can they meet you? And uh, could you share with that? And then we'll end with a poem. Okay. <laughs> so you can find my poetry on Poet CK online, Poet-CK. You can find my professional work as a filmmaker on Caroline Cameo. Mm-hmm. You can also find Shattered Hughes Films. Mm-hmm where you will just have that content. In my head, sometimes I like, why don't you put it all together? But they're really separate elements. Right. I think they yeah. need their own space. But yeah, you can find me all up in the Instagram. All right. All right. And that's Shattered, Shattered Hughes. Films. Also, Shattered Hughes Films. Yeah. But we can also find uh, Caroline Kemia. Yeah. 
And um, shout out to all the UG people here in Amsterdam. Hey. I don't know. Please how, at me. How is Somebody the community connect. like? Have you have you met up with? Some? Question mark. Question mark. Yeah, I haven't met met a Ugandan from here as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, I have. I have. Well, I any have. creative uh, Ugandans living in the Netherlands, um, hit me up. I, I definitely do want to work with young talent. Yeah. So that would be really awesome. He's been here for nine years already, though. Yes. Question mark. Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, I'm very open, like chatty here, but I'm not an extrovert. I'm not really like uh, into like big social scenes and that kind of thing. Yeah. You'll find me more in the movies, and so that's probably why yeah. I haven't really connected to the scene. You won't find Caroline at someone's uh, birthday <laughs> on her, or somebody's Ugandan wedding somewhere. No, no, no. <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare because there are too many people at Ugandan wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I ra- I rather uh, like a Dutch wedding, like six people. You right, know, right. Like just it's keep very it simple. simple. Yes, I, I got you. I understand what you mean. Absolutely. <laughs> Sandwiches, chill. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, approach it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're rounding up Africa on focus. Uh, with uh, Caroline Camier, she's gonna end and round up with a poem. So that's why I am I'm given uh, an outro. Uh, make sure that you uh, watch the recap of African Focus on High Radio coming week. And also, if you missed anything, uh, there is also Africa on Focus, the podcast, which you can find on all your streaming platforms, Spotify uh, um, and what Apple Music, uh, Google Play. And we'll soon have an announcement because I, I just have a collaboration with Aftown. And Aftown is an African streaming platform um, of which African Focus will also be there. I am so happy to announce that. Shout out to uh, Antoine. <laughs> Uh, from Ghana from uh, for making that happen. Um, so make sure that you also look that. You can also find Africa and focus on all your social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just type in Africa and focus and you'll find your way back. Next week, we have a special lady here at the show. And uh, it's pretty much a, a, a serious conversation. That one is actually uh, a lady. She's one of the first ladies that is healed from sickle cell. And she's going to share her story. Uh, she's also an MC. She's also a rapper, very creative. So she's really going to get into her story, which I think that, you know, uh, especially black people, as this relates to our health, should hear and uh, know about. So look out for that next week. And we'll also have a group that are uh, also into filmmaking. They are actually, no, theater. Theater. They bring in African culture to theater, and they have an exchange um, so they will. They are from the Afro Surinamese, and they are going mm-hmm. to showcase the connection of African, the rhythms, the music, all of that, and how it relates to uh, Ghana or West Africa now. So look out for that next week. We're ending off with Caroline Camille, who's gonna get spit something for us. <laughs> Let's do this. Nice one. So if you wanna check out the poetry, come to Labyrinth. I'm still Vanzevet. So this piece is called "The Eyes Are Uses When the Mind Is Blind." The eyes are useless when the mind is blind. The eyes are useless when the mind is blind. Lies from the start, the truth in plain sight. Are we domesticated? Do we live domesticated lives in domesticated urban spaces, eating domesticated foods, both vegetables and flesh, committing domestic violence and working them and us to death? Corpse through decay, decay is the key. 
The eyes are useless when the mind is blind. We work for corporations, corp stations, and we are hired by human resources. How many signs do we need to see that we are possibly enslaved and trapped, trapped, turned us into biological batteries? Who is harvesting your work, our work, your work, homework? And who benefits from the family business? Is it your business or my business that we broke up? Let's take a court. Play tennis with a ball and bat, but there's another kind of court. Get played by fake opponents, lawyers, playing games on behalf of the rich who never have to step onto the court, but watch the action. Judges or bankers, smart-suited gangsters. Is life a game? A slave to a rhythm, a slave to a system, controlled by the so-called best, the technocratic elite, the beast. What's that phrase? The eyes are useless when the mind is blind. Take the red pill, blue pill, black pope, white pope, you spoke. Copy and paste culture vultures, past and present, feasting on my black flesh. Are you? Is this a test? Are you locked and trapped inside a box? Why do creatives think outside the box? Yes, you heard, this may distress them, injure their ego, but I could care less. They say she's careless. The eyes are useless when the mind is blind. If you want to know who rules you, check out those you can't criticize. Thank you. Poet CK. Hey. Thank you for listening to Africa on Focus. We air live every Sunday on High Radio from 7 p.m. Amsterdam time. Join the Africa on Focus platform on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Africa on Focus or visit www.africaonfocus.com. And follow me on all your social platforms Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Miss Abba. Shout out to High Radio and Q Vibe for the jingle.